Welcome to Transform and Thrive. Your host, Helen Lee, examines the opportunities and practical solutions for individuals and organizations to transform and thrive in these times. She shares her wisdom and that of other changemakers impacting our world. Tune in for innovative and holistic tools and empowering strategies to reinvent yourself and or your organization and flourish in a world facing different crises. Hi, this is Helen Lee. Welcome to Transform and Thrive. And I have here with me once again, Mia Kirikos, the President and Chief Love Officer of Kirikos and I actually I heard look listen to a couple of videos briefly today, and they say Kirikos rather than Kirikos, right? The way you say it is perfect, actually. Some people pronounce it Kirikos. I pronounce it Kirikos, just like you do. Kirikos. So yes, but I have members of my own family that pronounce it differently. So you know, okay. it's anyone's best guess. <laughs> <laughs> and associates a strategic advisory firm dedicated to the business of wellness and well-being. And the reason that I've asked Mia to come back again, I did a, an episode with her last year in June. Uh, the, the topic was love as a business strategy, which was really awesome, uh, is that Mia has just won in June, what is it called? Innovator of the Industry from Cornell Hospital. It's called, actually, the proper name is Cornell Hospitality Innovator of the Industry Award. I thought that was really fabulous. So welcome again, Mia. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad to be back, Helen. Yeah. Um, You've done, I I, I listened a little bit just to refresh my memory. You know, I I am forgetful (laughs) (laughs) these days. And you've done so much, right? You've done so much and you've had like really big global jobs with top companies like the Hyatt and, and they're all global. But more than anything else, I think you're, you're daring to call yourself chief love officer. And it's not just about a title. It's like, what are you representing, right? What are you attempting to do here? And I shouldn't even say attempt anymore because you've had great success already right? Um, It made me think of Marianne Williamson. I don't know if you mind being put in the same, you know. (laughs) No, I've watched her. She's now running for president. Yeah. And she wrote a book called, what was it? Politics, politics, hold on. (laughs) A Politics of Love, a handbook for a new American revolution. Okay. To me, it's also a revolution what you're doing and you're doing it globally right mm-hmm. and based in 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 the US and and you know hers is about well you know she she you know what she does right as a living and and to me you're both on the same page in terms of spiritual transformation mm-hmm. because you're bringing it to the masses you're I don't want to use the word converting but you are influencing I think that's a better word right mm-hmm people mm-hmm. in the mainstream to do business with love. Mm-hmm. I think that's a biggie, Mia, really. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the reality is I didn't come to this lightly. I've always felt, you know, leading with love 
you know, for humanity is something we need to do. And, and I think part of that is my hospitality education is being really a servant leader, like living in service of others, what could be a greater honor, Yeah. but to make the movement start, I also knew that it had to be rooted in business. And so that, that has been what my quest has been for the last three or four years is really understanding the impact that love has and actually can enable competitive thriving business. And that's been the most eye-opening experience for me. I've always felt it in my gut. Now we have case studies to prove it. And it's something that I proudly say is my title. And I enjoy looking at the confused expressions from business leaders, you know, trying to understand if they should take me seriously. And um, I have a lot of fun in those experiences because I have a chance to speak the language of business, but to do it with love. Yeah. I, and you know, it's, it's very, I see what, how you do it. It's like, it's very practical, very grounded. And, and it is very loving. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a strength and yet a femininity that comes with it. It's not sort of, you know, masculine and rah, rah. And, you know, and, and you do talk about fighting, you know, you, um, there was something you wrote. It was a white paper that you wrote at the beginning of this year, right? Mm-hmm. And let me see if I can find it. Five lessons learned while fighting for the business of wellness and well-being. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so there is an activist part of it, right? Yes. Yeah. But in such a loving and feminine, but very strong way, I think mm-hmm. it's very powerful. You know, so my hat off to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we have to be warriors of love in a lot of ways. I think, you know, also as women in business. um, And I think um, there's a place for both, you know, feminine and masculine energy. You need both when it comes to leading energetically, right? And spiritually and with, with, with intention. So the masculine energy helps us to get things done. Yes. Right? And to mm-hmm. say no when when we should say no, mm-hmm. right? And and to draw boundaries and all the rest of it. But there's such a beautiful femininity that you bring to the table. And it's you're so obviously loving, you know, and kind. I think it's the kindness, is isn't that um what I think it was a Dalai Lama who said, Love is my religion, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he talks about kindness as well, of course, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and also, um, I mean, firstly, before I jump around, because I can do that well too, um, do you want to talk about the five lessons? Is that worth talking about? Is that what you feel like talking about or not? I will talk about anything you like. I mean, I think the lessons... Um... And, you know, Helen, I'd have to, I'd have to bring them up, but why don't we, why don't you um, give me the first one and then I'll speak to it. And then the second and third, and I'll be able to highlight each one briefly. Sure. You, the first one is just because it's the right thing doing uh, does not mean, does not make it right for every business. Yes. And so when I spoke about that, look, the the business of wellness and well-being, I think it's really important um, internally right? We all can make wellness and caring for the well-being of people part of our businesses. And the way we realize it could be different. But commercially, it doesn't make sense for every every business. And a lot of times I get asked, 
you know, shouldn't everyone really be catering to this business of, uh, of wellness? You know, since consumer demand is so high, the health of our planet citizens um, has been deteriorating. You know, the cost of healthcare has been increasing all of these things. And and my answer to that is it's, it's not always right. And the other reason why sometimes it's not right internally is that, and I didn't really say this specifically in the article, but that um, not always the right leaders are in place to lead it internally. And if the right leaders aren't there, you're wasting money, throwing it out the window, time, money, whatever the resource is that you have to spare. So that's why I say it's not always right for, for the businesses. I hope it will be one day. Um, but I also think we have to be practical and take an honest look at ourselves in the mirror and say, do we have the right leaders not to just lead this, but to live it and to model it, um, both commercially and internally at their organizations. Mm, absolutely. And the second one is a culture of well-being depends on one thing, authenticity of leadership. This I totally, yeah. Number one, it's the number yeah. one thing and it, it actually links to the first one, right? It's, yeah. um, there's too often, and I've learned this both working at companies and advising companies, that the person that has been asked to lead the charge for well-being actually does not identify with it at all and is trying to check the box. And so the work needs to be done to help them to determine what does well-being mean to me? Is it spending time with my kids, my loved ones? Is it making money? What is it? Is it getting a good night's sleep? And once they have that personal connection, it's easier for them to turn around and lead it with authenticity and share their tips with their team members, their colleagues, even consumers. So it's critical. Without that, you know, it can't happen. Yeah, because, you know, then you're very clear, very direct, very focused. Exactly. Know? It makes exactly. it easier for others to follow, you know, saying one thing, basically. Um, next one is passion may periodically be mistaken for ego. Yes. Yes. That is uh, an important lesson. And I bring this up because um, too many times because I'm literally moved by this purpose to help people live well. It is in my fire, my bones, it will be on my tombstone. Hopefully she helped people live well because you can't contain it and you want to scream it from the rooftops. Um, sometimes uh, that could, you know, people mistake that it's about me and not my purpose or, and I've seen this with other leaders that have been very purpose-filled, very passionate, um, and will speak to anyone who listens, right? Um, I am more than happy to let other, other people uh, use their megaphones and champion this, but in absence of those people on site, I will step in because I feel like it's that important. And so that's why I say passion can sometimes be mistaken for ego. And it's really important to bring others along and make it a movement that includes everyone, not just yeah. one person, me, you, but everyone needs yeah. to be a champion and to be passionate about, about well-being. Absolutely. Um, and then the next one is the best wellness teachers also make a point to be students. Yes. So I tell people all the time that on any given day, I might be the teacher and other days I'm the student. I'm continuing to invest in my own learning, whether it be specific wellness related modalities, 
whether it be a better way to execute and implement it. Um, I'm regularly taking, uh, you know, classes and certifications just to keep myself honest. I did one with Yale, the science of well-being that was really wonderful. Um, I've actually become certified uh, as a guide on this platform here in the U.S. offered by WisdomWorks called the Be Well, Lead Well platform um, that enables me to assess leaders through objective evidence and science-based measures to determine where their well-being is. So there's several examples where I'm continuing to learn because it's rapidly evolving and changing and we're getting smarter about what's really impacting our health yeah. and well-being. And so I would never pretend to know it all because I don't. And I learn new things every day and I am committed to that learning and that curiosity. Yeah, I think it makes it more exciting for us, actually. You yes. know, I'm still learning at my great age and, and it's stimulating. It's fun. Yes. Right? I, at least I think so, you know. Yes, uh, I completely agree. Yeah. And, and I, I love teaching and coaching as well, of course. Um, next one, success comes over time, not overnight. Yes, yes. And that's why I say, when I say fight, it's about, it's really about championing it. But there have been naysayers yeah. along the way. The world yeah. is caught up now in 2023. But when I started this work 23 years ago, um, they weren't there. And these were words that were not used in business. And yeah. they certainly weren't, they were, you know, spa was used in hospitality, pool, fitness. But when it came to wellness and well-being, those were words that were really not understood um, quite some time ago. And um, I, you know, I feel like the world is finally caught up in understanding the impact of wellness and well-being, both to business and to um, the health of our planet citizens, but that did not happen overnight. It has taken some time and we still have pushback, whether from the public or private sectors. Um, and we're continuing to have to champion it, continuing to prove it. Um, but fortunately the world has seen the light. So um, it's easier now, but it, it took some time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just that I think that you have some qualities about you that help you um, succeed on this path that you've chosen, you know, because I know it's not easy. I mean, chief love officer, what the hell is that, right? That, hmm. uh, love as a business strategy. Yeah, right. You know, yep. <laughs> right. Yep. And, and I, then you get recognized by Cornell University as innovator of the year. I thought brilliant, you know. It was yeah. amazing. And I don't know, Helen, if I if I didn't send this to you, I'll have to send you this amazing tribute video that was about three and a half minutes long that they debuted that night that was prepared by a friend. And it's the best story of my life I've seen to date. It was a gift. It was lovely. But I, I will say that um, that authenticity of leadership that you just spoke of, I think people feel that with me. So even if um, yeah, I found a way to communicate about this. And I do meet people where they're at. You're, you're more of a spiritual leader. I can connect with you on that level. For a business leader that's managing a $5 billion P&L for a publicly traded company, I need yeah. to speak that language as well. And yeah. I think that has been what the gift is that I realized I had to flex my style and yes. how I communicate. Yes. But as long as I do so with authenticity and people can sense that I'm fueled by this passion, that those two things, flexing my style and really living my purpose, 
has had to be successful um, to this point. And it wasn't always easy, but for anyone who's listening, I fell down as many times as I've fallen up. And I've just learned, I made sure that I learned why I fell down. I was kind to myself to accept I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes and do things the wrong way. Yeah. But the, the shame in that is when you don't take the lessons and bring it forward. There's no shame in failing. That is part of life. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. And so that is my, um, those are the lessons. I don't pretend that it's been easy, but it's been fun. That's for sure. And, and I, it continues to be. Well, I, I can think of a few things like authenticity on authenticity is one courage, right? Uh, being resilient, being steadfast, right? What else? I think, gosh, that's a great list. Um, I think uh, just being committed, you know, I once you, it's very hard to know something and then unknow it, right? Mm. I'm fueled by a knowing, you know, I, I I know with every fiber of my being that this is the right path forward for me and for the world. And because of that, it, that's what gives me the courage. It's scary. Sometimes my knees are shaking below the table. Sometimes it is, but I believe that nothing worth doing has is usually ever easy getting. And, and I really, I really do feel that that's, that's just embracing the fear, living with the discomfort um, and plowing through it, knowing that it's always temporary because you know, it's the right path forward. You can't unknow that. And that's really what it comes down to. You must look for that. You're knowing, I mean, come on. (laughs) You know, like, like really, I, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, you know, it's like, um, doing this, bringing it to the mainstream, bringing it to companies. I mean, my, my work, right, uh, which is very spiritual in nature, uh, making it relatable to them, right, flourishing for about 10 years, going into semi-retirement because I was like about 60 by then, right? Um, and then make now making a, a comeback, hopefully, you know, yes. <laughs> for the next 10 years, hopefully. Right? Yes. And and it takes uh not just perseverance, but there there has to be like a total alignment with it, right? Yes, yes. And and it drives you, it's very compelling, you know. And you so, have to be, I will say one thing we didn't add to your list is. You can't be risk averse. You have to find a relationship with risk because, and I feel uh, connected to you in this way that you're going to do it no matter what, even if it's hard, even if it's not bringing in uh, financial rewards during periods of time, you know, it's not about that. It's nice. And that's important. And I tell people not to be, you know, it's wonderful if, wellness driven businesses are making money because that means you're also making impact. So I think that's a great thing, but it ebbs and flows. Right. And so it's, it's important to get comfortable with taking risks and that's where your courage comes in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Indeed. Uh, Yeah. And, and also, you know, as I said earlier, you're very grounded, very practical. I I love this. uh, Let me see what you call it. We're all part of an, this is your philosophy, right? We're all part of an ecosystem of well-being. Um, 
21st century companies are now expected to care for the well-being of people, community, and planet, right? And then yes. you have this wonderful um, infinity sign, right? Yes. To to cover the internal and the external factors. Tell us about that. Sure. So um, you're right. Ecosystem of well-being, that's our proprietary approach. We actually, finally, after two years of filing registrations around the globe, we're registered. Um, that's, our, that's our trademark. We... It's really a method and a visual aid to help people understand that realizing an ecosystem of well-being, whether it's in government, business, schools, really requires us to look at our leaders, look at our employees, look at our consumers, look at our communities, and look at the planet and how they are all connected to one another. Because historically, we tried to address wellness and well-being of those um, uh, factions, if you will, in silo, independently of one another. And we neglected the fact that we're actually connected. Everything that we do is connected to one another. And if you care for the well-being of the individuals collectively, systemically, you enable wellness and well-being to become part of your gene expression, part of your company or organization's DNA. And so there's lots of tactical things that take place behind each one of those areas, but conversations like workplace well-being, ESG, sustainability, diversity and inclusion, um, planetary well-being, uh, all of those things actually can be represented within that ecosystem, within that infinity symbol. And all these disparate conversations can really become one connected system. And, and so we enable companies to realize what their unique ecosystem is, because every organization's ecosystem is different, and help them see the forest for the trees and help over time, and it does take time to make the system well. Hmm. You know, I, I see companies doing this stuff, but how much of it is authentic? Exactly. Not a lot. And I think that I think this is where when we when we qualify companies or clients, they yeah. usually we fall into two buckets. One that wants to check the box. They want yeah. a program, a platform, they want to develop a property, they want to produce a yeah. product, whatever. And they're trying yeah. to just one and done. Yeah. And, and and that's fine, but know thyself, right? In those instances, we might help them or refer that work out to do one of those things. But then we if we do our jobs right, we'll enable them to see how that check the box actually could be part of a greater system and we'll try to migrate them. There are others that come to us and say, we know we're not operating well. You know, the pandemic really shook us up. Um, we know mental health and well-being is a problem. We have market, we have products in the marketplace that need to be um, better for the planet. Um, we want to be more involved in the communities within which we work. And they start realizing they have all these fractions and they're trying to address it more systematically. Those are enlightened ones. Yeah. That realize that the problem. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they have the harder job to do, but the irony is that actually does not have to cost money. A lot of times, if you're looking for one of those check the box things, you're looking to, to pay the money, get the service and be done and check the box. 
The other ones, it's not necessarily the cost of developing a program or a product or property. It's the cost of behavior change. How do we work? How are we treating each other at work? Are we respecting people's time off? Are we going from meeting to meeting? Are we taking time for rest and respite? Are we starting every meeting with all the problems? Have we really contemplated what's going well in the business? Are we showing gratitude for those that are working and juggling hybrid work? There's so many things behaviorally that the West has really gotten wrong over the last 50 years. And that's where the opportunity, the greatest opportunity is not what we do or where, but how we do it and how we work and how we live. And that's what really the ecosystem of well-being um, enables that kind of discussion. It's a, it's a genuine caring basically. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, indeed. Genuine caring for each other in our daily lives, in business, for the planet, for everything that lives and breathes. We cannot possibly continue to live and work the way we have been doing for decades if we are to survive, let alone thrive. Re-listening to my interview with Mia was like a soothing balm for me after a recent experience I had in business where there was not enough genuine caring and time given to me for the project I engaged a company to do for me at premium price. In this instance, caring or lack thereof was in the form of insufficient time given to truly understand what matters to me and the messages I wish to convey to the people I want to touch and impact. It includes respect for the work I do, what I represent, who I am, the mission I wish to fulfill, and the role I wish to play to contribute towards raising human consciousness and co-create a whole new world we'd all prefer to live in. I felt like I was being put in the factory assembly line and the cookie cutter approach was used for me and my services. Because simply because their formula works and they were the experts. There was no genuine attempt to marry what I have to offer with their expertise and to really work together to create something special and impactful. What I do and who I am was simply meant to fit in. And that was all there was to it. They said they'd be all ears to hear what I specifically had to say about what they hurriedly drafted for me, but in the end, never gave me the chance to do so. To me, it was a business deal. They never had a chance to work because there was not enough love and care in it. And high intelligence and respect are part of that quality of love and care that was missing. We do need to bring the heart into our business world for sure. Not the sentimental human heart, but the higher spiritual heart, which is the seat of the soul that is simultaneously wise and powerful. We need to actively and deliberately connect with the intelligence of this part of ourselves and align with it. In fact, to consciously expand its energy field which would mean raising our level of spiritual intelligence as well. 
There's a whole lot more to this methodology which I created and teach all my clients in both one-on-one and group sessions. My own heart and soul long for it to be shared with not only the thousands I have coached, but the millions I'm called to share it with. And God willing, one day I will, with the help of kindred spirits. If I were to brief Mia or someone like Mia, who is already of a certain level of consciousness that is geared towards doing business with love and understanding that the world needs to move forward along this path. She or they would get what my work and I are all about and hold in high regard. I can only be very grateful for forward-thinking leaders such as Mia and Marianne Williamson, who have the courage to step up and introduce such novel ideas as adopting love as a business strategy and leading with love for humanity in the business and political world. And I would commit to gathering a community of such kindred spirits and live, work and play with the likes of them. They give me hope, which we would greatly need in the decade ahead, as people begin to scramble more and more unable to let go of the old and worn-out ways that need to leave us if we were to really progress and prosper as people inhabiting this planet. As I wrote at the beginning of the pandemic, we will learn to care much better for ourselves, each other and our planet. We will veer towards balance and all that is natural. And if we came from a higher love and use our higher intelligence, we can also prepare for a life of endless abundance and infinite miracles. Not only for some, but for all. We would, however, definitely need to use use new yardsticks of high consciousness for this to be possible. And we would be moving away from focusing on money and the material in five years' time or more, as Ken Honda, the wonderful, gracious, and humble Zen millionaire, told us in my interview with him earlier this year on this very same podcast. Check out my various pop episodes, and I can tell I can also tell you more about our path ahead and our way forward in my Facebook group or on my social media pages and in my monthly global group Zoom sessions or one-on-one sessions. Take your pick, and I look forward to further serving you. You can find the various links on the podcast website you are listening to this episode on, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Stitcher. Meanwhile, this is Helen Lee on the Transform and Thrive show, Sending you so much love and wishing you endless possibilities of great joy and freedom, peace and abundance at all levels, now and always. Let's create a truly, truly wonderful, balanced and genuinely caring world together. And great fulfillment and dreams come true for ourselves and others. Happy transforming and thriving, my beloved friends. You most certainly have the power to do so masterfully 
and joyously. We can all move towards ultimate mastery now and together. Thank you for joining me. Your presence is vital and very, very much appreciated as always. Bye for now.